What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to welcome you to this episode of the Niche Finder podcast. Today, I have the one and only Vondell Richmond. I mean, listen, the re- the man is going to tell you about his resume. I'm just going to give you very high level of what it comprises. We're going to be talking to somebody who is a movie producer, a screenwriter, a councilman, a professor, a coach, an entrepreneur, a real estate agent. Yes, the list goes on. And it's a theme of, of, of the show. Somebody who's serving, you know, who found his way on his journey towards success right in the middle of it. And some would say in the beginning, he started as a servant serving while he didn't have anything to gain from it just giving of the thing that he has in abundance so look i'm not gonna bore you with the detail i don't want you to hear my voice i want you to hear his voice because this man definitely has a gift for speaking in his position and he's been gifted to do not just speak but to help to impact impart and change lives so without further ado we want to introduce the niche finder framework to the one and only Mr. Vondell Richmond, welcome to the program. <laughs> man, Cliff, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and and just greetings to your audience, man. I just, I count it an honor and a privilege and just myself blessed when I'm able to uh, just share and talk and have great conversations with greatness. So thank you, brother, for, for inviting me. Yeah, man, you know, uh, so I give the audience a little bit of insight. Vondell and I go back years, man. Go way it's only back. like 15, like 15 <laughs> some odd years. And we, right before the program, we were just kind of chopping it up and catching up. And for us catching up, it really is going to take a couple of days uh, for right. us to even, you know, scratch the surface. But just lightning round, man, it is so amazing to see, you know, what God has done in your life and the journey of how you have just gone through adversity and triumph. And still be able to say that you're still here. And not only are you surviving, but you're now thriving through the different things that you've gone through. So tell us a little bit about what you think your niche is and why should the audience have a vested interest in your journey? Absolutely, Cliff. Thank you for that, man. And and just 
just giving it back to God and you, man. And, and, and I just counted on it, like I said. So what I believe and feel my niche is, is helping people win, experience more wins in life. Uh, it took me a minute to get to that. But at the end of the day, I want to see you experience going from getting ahead to staying ahead and accomplishing more in life right now. This is not a dress rehearsal. And so my niche as an exhorter and as a teacher trainer is to help people find success and grow, success and grow. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And really, and looking at my own journey, there's, there's, we may get into this deeper later, but if I, I want to kind of plant a seed here, there's really a succession or a path that I thought I was helping others on what I was actually going through myself. It was a self journey. Uh, it was a self, uh, what is that sort of journey of, of one. And I was on this sort of mono journey. And I realized like, that's really what I'm good at helping others do. And, and the journey, as you shared, um, went from me when we first met, I was into filmmaking. I went to school for acting. So I have an MFA acting directing. So I started off as a dreamer looking to do something. And I call that a dreamer to doer. So in all essence, I was a creative. The fifth word in the Bible is in the beginning, God created. Wow. Fifth word in the whole entire Bible. So all of us have that creative capacity to create. So as an actor, I was on that whole trajectory and I said, wow, God, I'm dreaming about making a film. Uh, I'm dreaming about being in Hollywood. You know what most creatives and actors dream about. Mm. And so that was one phase of, of my niche. And then that gave way and opened up me going into corporate. You know, as most creatives, we, I hate to say it, but as the saying goes, you know, we, we are starving artists. You know, I hate that. I, I want to kill and strangle that sort of moniker but hey it's true you know we, we, we we're, we're, we're trying to put something of value out into the world and we usually have nothing except our imagination and grit and in our context so i went from being a dreamer to doer saying i need resources to build this thing that i'm dreaming and so i became a corporate climber you know i had to go into the real world and get a real job and, and say okay i don't want to be stuck behind a cubicle but i'll hustle one you know, for a minute so I can make right. this film that I'm dreaming about, you know, so right. I have my day right. gig and my nighttime burning the uh, candle at the other end. So I became a corporate climber. So I call that a climber. I was climbing mm. for, you know, oh man, money to be able to pour back into the creative ideas that I had. Mm. Uh, from there, uh, the third stage of my niche, and I guess that it kind of came in stages, is I went to being what I call an entrepreneurial leader. Um, and we all know this, the, the three letters that represent entrepreneurs as CEO, chief executive officer. So I had to go from being a creative to being a climber to being chief uh, of, of leadership in my own life first before I could lead and do other projects. So I had to become a, a, a chief and understand time management and understand all these elements, you know, to stay on track, to, to network, to get out, of, to take risks, to fall flat and get back up. All these things that it took to get projects and ideas off the ground. Um, and that was by accident. We can talk about that a little bit more in a second. And then the last C in summarizing, you know, my niche and how I got there is I said, man, I really want this thing to live beyond myself. Um, the community is important. Others and philanthropy and the part about ministry, like you said, serving and giving back is important. So at the end of it, I said, man, I, I aspire to change the game. I'm a black man trying to 
you know, move things forward. I want to change what entertainment looks like. I don't want mm. it to all be one facet. I'm tired of being, you know, seen as, you know, us Sambo. And as they say, I'm tired of us mm-hmm. doing just, you know, pervade, uh, 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 you know, nothing against different artists. You know, your expression is your expression. But for me and mine, I just thought I want to have, I want to, you know, you have a family, Cliff. You know, we have right. families now. You can't right. consume the same thing you might have consumed when you were, you know, not a believer or not a right. father per se. Right. So I said, I want to, I want to, I want, I aspire to change the game in a number of areas financially for myself and my family or other communities. You know, so I said, okay, I, I want to be a changer at the end of it. You know, that's what ministry is about changing and leaving the world in a, a greater state, as Gandhi said, is than we found it. Hmm. And so that's my niche, man. It's just helping others now win at outing their creative, their climber, their chief, and their changer. Hmm. And, and what I realized, yeah, this last piece, what I realized is I thought that those were different things. And I feel like God showed me, no, every one of us go through those different phases at different stages of life. And so my niche now is showing people how to move just beyond their job. That's the campaign that, that, that I'm sort of going to take from here to eternity, showing people how to move beyond their job, you know, mm. because you're more than just your day job. You know, most people just work a job, hustle, do whatever they do come home and regret their lives for the most part <laughs> mm. man you know i think it's so powerful what you're saying man I, I love the way you just codified that entire experience and it just has like such a linear pur- purpose to it yeah how you feel that you know this you know one thing just interconnected to each other yeah. and so there weren't these disparate actions that were happening they were all coalescing into what makes you who you are right now absolutely you know? uh, I mean we look at you know fine art and you look at a mosaic picture for example and it looks to be all these random things but when you zoom out and you look at when the big zoom picture out. you oh, zoom yeah. big picture you're like man this is something beautiful right that's here that's gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful that's beautiful how they, how they do that <laughs> and so and so thousand dollars for that <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, I i what i love about it is is that you've taken that journey and and i can just hear so much introspection on yeah. your part of of how this all kind of come came together and made sense so you see that now but at the very start oh, yeah. of your be at your journey as part of your journey what did you want to accomplish Man, at the very start, like I said, Cliff, the very start, I knew I, I knew like most people, you want to do something that matters. Yeah. And starting out, I really just wanted to finish school and then capitalize on my degree. Like most people, I wanted to capitalize on being an actor. I wanted to, you know, in my mind, I would by now I would be in Hollywood. I would, you know, be doing projects like Power or, you know, um, Greenleaf, you know, projects like that, Queen Sugar, you know, I, I always saw myself doing projects at that level. And I, I realized that there were some other uh, tools that I needed to be able to pull that off at a later time. So hmm. Joseph comes to mind, you know, uh, and my pastor always talks about this concept called the ricochet effect. You know, uh, we, we sort of have success as I'm going to go from college to Black Pantherville. You know what I mean? I'm going to go from here and... and work these networks and go up the structure and do the thing. And this person, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna get married and have a, but man, that thing is messy sometimes. And the picture that we have framed doesn't end up being the path we take. We get, you know, put over here and put over there and you feel like you're going backwards only to turn around and look up and you'd be like, man, I'm at the front of the line, Mm. you know? So 
it's really that's the beautiful mess that I think that if we're not careful uh, as niche as as we find and discover our niche, uh, we'll feel like we're lost. Yeah, but we're actually right on track. Mm. So 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 yeah. Mm. You know, uh, there's a portion I was editing in Dream Octane, right? And I, uh-huh. I was talking about David. That's a dope name, by the way. Thank you, you, sir. I appreciate that. Um, You know, so here I am talking about King David from Scripture, right? And so David was at the time as he's introduced to this particular scene is him walking in as a ruddy teenager, good looking, as Scripture said. He was good looking, walked in there and he saw this gargantuan problem in the person of Goliath. Goliath. Now, yeah. just to, I mean, you know the story, but for the listening audience, uh, they, they're standing in this valley where the two armies, the Philistines and the, and the and Israelite army of fight are about to fight against each other. And Goliath right. has this idea to say, instead of us having all this bloodshed in this land that we normally would have, just pick one person. And you right. come up against me, right? <laughs> just it's just one person. It will be your slaves if I lose, and you'll be our, our slaves if I win. So David walks up onto this scene, and long and short, we all know the story. David slain, you know, he, you know, did the whole, you know, rock that 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 uh, took Goliath down. But what I found interesting was prior to that moment, where David mm-hmm. essentially operated within his niche that he knew, mm-hmm. he knew. He, he had his his niche was faith and his niche was having the skill to use this this uh this sling right yeah. they tried to give him Saul of all best intentions gay was giving him armor to wear right right and he says look I don't want you to go out there son and I'm paraphrasing but if yeah. you're gonna go out there take our best armor right? right and David said it doesn't fit right this ain't, this so, ain't me this ain't me but but just what don't you to a certain extent, what wow. I was thinking is quite often people with good intentions mm-hmm. uh, try to give us the best armor that we can possibly be prepared for with mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we neglect our niche because it doesn't fit. Right. Like the armor, the armor doesn't fit. It could be. Yeah, I've interviewed people and had one on one sessions with people who had, you know, doctorate level degrees and they did it because they put on an army of what their family said. They should be, right. Man, you but, but, <laughs> but what what happened was, is they got to a point where they said to themselves, wait a minute, this degree don't fit. I still wow. got my niche, right? And Whew. so when I hear what you're trying to, you, what you're talking about, when you're saying I'm walking in my niche, right? It's really saying that although I went through all of this, all these ups and downs, it wasn't up and down. It was right. just, you know, uh, this, you know, this this guy walking out here and saying all I got is a five stones in the sling, and I'm about to take yeah. on this guy and call life. Something happen, right? I, I, I'm about to make I, something I, happen, I, right? And so, what internal struggles though? Because we all have them. What internal struggles were you having on the start of your journey? Man, I don't know how much time you got, Cliff. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, let's see. So the internal struggles, man, really are the biggest one. I believe the biggest internal hurdle is the one you just mentioned. How do we not put on the external expectation of how others see us? Yes. You know, like you said, now I was blessed to have a mom who said, Hey, at 18, son, I can't afford to send you to college so you can major what you want to major in. And she never stopped me from pursuing the arts like I hear so many other people. However, that's just part of it. And I call I I call I used to tell my students at Rutgers when 
you know, because we used to have this conversation. I used to say, hey, guys, I know your parents threatened you. You had parental bullies that said, if you don't major in X, I'm not going to pay the bill. Right. And I just think if you're doing that as a parent, check yourself. All right. We right. won't pray for you. But <laughs> <laughs> um, the internal struggles that I dealt with were a lot, especially when I was an actor, were around. Is there something wrong because I have I've, I have a gifting and a skill set that society only values at a certain point in my career? So I knew once I get to a Blair Underwood or a Denzel level, I'm all good. Mm. People got nothing but love for you when you chat with Bozeman, you know, maybe all right, right. You know, rest in heaven. But when you are Chadwick that nobody knew when you're, right. you know, for example, Mike Coulter, he's a good buddy of mine. We went to school, he plays Luke Cage. You know, that brother, I remember when he was at Rutgers and there was a season where he used to come with his waiter outfit. You know, he had his white top and his black slacks. And I believe that was postgraduate school. So nobody knew him when he was David, to follow that analogy, in the field, you know, smelling like, you know, sweaty sheep, you know, right. you know, manure, drip, uh, 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 aroma sheep, you know. Right. Nobody saw him, but now he's Luke Cage. Look at him. So my internal struggles really were around how do I get through this season of the, the minutia. How do I how do I maintain mentally when no one knows my name? How do I do what I'm doing and keep doing it to such a level that I, I, the only analogy that's coming to my mind is when they say you know catch fire. You know one of the things they talk about disciples is you know in terms of being on fire for the Lord is catch fire and, and then God will cause people to show up to watch you burn. Mm-hmm. So keeping yourself encouraged and I think it was David who, who was saying that you know I have to encourage myself so it's just those things you know when your your reality doesn't line up with, with the passion and the burning image that you see of yourself in the future uh, that was one internal struggle mm. another internal struggle was around are people right you know people will say Vondale you seem all over the place you know you gotta focus on one thing and thanks be to God, there was something in me that was just like, but nobody told Oprah she had to have one thing. Nobody told Jay-Z yeah. he had to have one thing. Nobody, mm. you know, I get Tyler Perry has one thing and it's, you know, movies and plays and Medea. I get that Tiger Woods had golf. But then I look at other people, I'm saying, okay, they are, they're multi, they have multi-geniuses. Mm. And I, multi, multiple intelligences, I believe, what, mm. what the true term is. And even though I didn't have a lot of teaching on that, um, that's really what kept me going. Something in me just said, you know, this, like like David, this this don't fit. You know, people telling me go corporate, okay, go corporate, but this just don't feel right to me. Right. And I always said that there's a back door. I don't know how it's going to happen, but there's a back door of how. And that's that's another thing I think that's key is knowing um, your route. So if we if you and I said we're going to go to Disney. Some people may say we take, and I don't know the highway, but you take, well, let's go from here to Nashville because I know that. Mm -hmm. So one way to get there is I-24. So you Mm -hmm. jump on I-24 from Clarksville to Nashville. That's one route. But you also can go Ashland City if the traffic gets too hectic. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, if we're not careful, too many of us only know the I-24 to where we've not allowed ourselves and we've not educated others of those alternate routes. Mm -hmm. Uh, The book that I'm working on now uh, I just wrote it the other day. The law of alternate routes, I mm. think, is is what uh, the, the law of alternate plans. I think is how I coined it. Mm. Um, and this happened in New, New Jersey when I saw this. I was on Route 18 going to class one one day. It was storming, raining, and it was traffic. 
And I'll say, man, I'm never going to make class. I'm going to be late and miss it. I happened to look to my right and I saw a parallel road. And I said, wait a minute, that path, that road is going the same way and there's no traffic. So I turned down the street. It was some speed bumps. But even though it was filled with speed bumps, there was no traffic cliff. And I got to the class in, 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 an un, in a record time if, if, versus had I stayed on Route 18 mm. going towards Rutgers. And I think that captures the principle of what I'm sharing. So many of us think corporate America, get the you know full 501c3 or 401, whatever it's get 401k, the family, the house, the kids. And if we don't go that path, we feel less than, especially right. when it comes to our niche. And I think a lot of people who really are very successful in their niche crashed, burned, got up, you know, ripped it up, did it again, take two kind of mentality. And it's only in that alternate path that they found this is my aha. This is my niche. Hmm. You know, as you were talking, um, it, it reminded me a portion of, of Dream Octane because I have uh, three levels to it, right? It's sort of how you, okay. you discover, develop, and deliver your niche, right? The backdrop mm-hmm. to the book is the oil industry. It starts out with discovery mm-hmm. as being just like discovering oil, right? So the first three steps is like drilling for oil and pulling it out. Steps, mm-hmm. steps four and five, however, is taking that crude resource that's inside mm. and Ooh. bringing it to a refinery Finery. yeah right? and so Ooh. the part that you just reminded me of is uh the refinery but not just the act of it but the inception of it uh in the sense of what john d rockefeller did mm-hmm. so going way back to the early you know this is like 1901 and so on actually before yeah. that it was 1880 85 where i believe standish oil standard oil was formed uh, which right. was he says everybody else is out here trying to drill for oil. I'm gonna focus on refining the oil. They got to, everybody's going to come to me. But the point that you just reminded me of was John D. Rockefeller also got scientists and engineers to say, yes, we have the oil. Yes, we know we can do certain things with it. At the time, they were just making kerosene lamps out of it, right? Right. But he says this oil has got to. This crude resource has got to make more things. So they started they started to refine things. And 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 right now, oil, crude oil turns into now all of this wasn't from Rockefeller, but he started a wave that that is carried to today. So out of crude oil, you get jet fuel, you get all these octane grades, you get tarmacin, tarmacin that that paves your roads. You even get something even even there is an an additive that that comes from it that they put in chewing gum. Like the the list is endless. It's plastic. It's all these things that you make from it. And so the reason I bring that up, that's a long winded way of saying that that one resource that you have inside of you quite often can have various different forms that it actually ends up being right man yeah so so i i I don't i don't necessarily knock the outcome i I would embrace the process of, of of where of where you are right now because it's it's all meaningful um, at the end of the day, man, we all need some portion of this crude resource that you have inside of you. And right now, even before I get to you being a councilman, I do want to touch on somewhat uh, your movie because it, it was sure. it did win it did win an award at that at the uh, the film felt one of the film Yeah, we, we won Spaghetti oh, Junction. We won something in Kentucky. We won. We were blessed to win a couple of awards, man. 
Um, but yeah, the films, you talk about stumbling into your niche. Uh, well, what, let me ask, what do you want to get into? What do you want to chop it up? Jared? Well, Let's I want to know, I want to yeah. know, um, you know, as you started before you even got to get the appreciation, um, sure. you know, what roadblocks did you hit specifically? What roadblocks did you Man. hit as you were trying to get this movie out? This is a, I'm, I'm just thankful to God. It's God. It's God moment. Um, <laughs> so the movie, man, speaks to that crude oil concept that you just talked about. Mm. The roadblocks I first hit was I didn't know how to write a screenplay. I didn't know. I, I, I was a theater major. I knew how to act. And I took one playwriting course. But I knew I wanted a film. That was the vision. I knew I wanted a film. But I was, and I used to dream back then, this is going back before the film, I would dream and say, God, one day I want to have a movie. Mm. And I saw Love Jones. I saw mm. the movie Love Jones. Dope movie, and I, by the way. Dope movie. And I was like, <laughs> yo, I was blown away. And I said, okay, one day when I meet Spike, if I ever met Spike Lee or Steven Spielberg, mm. the worst thing I felt they could say to me was... That's a dope idea. Can I read it? I said at that mm. moment, if I have to say, let me go write it, I would have lost. Because mm. they, it, it just, it, great ideas come a dime a dozen. So I said, mm. okay, what can I do? And I now think of Moses. What's in my hand? What do I know how to do? Well, I know how to write a play. I took one playwriting class. I know how to write a play. And I said, the difference between a play and a movie is just the script. Mm. And little did I know, Cliff, that I'd set myself up in that before I got out of grad school, before I had a degree, I was thinking one day when I get all this money, I'll make the movie, you know, before any of that happened, broke it in a, then a, then a, then a, then a, you know, just, just broke. I can't even think of a mm. cool analogy, but broke. <laughs> <laughs> a letter came at the most unexpected time to my church and I had whispered to the secretary that I felt I was called a faith-based film. She called me in one day and said, Vondell, stop by the church office. And I picked up a letter. And the letter was from a young lady in film school at Columbia. Mm. And she was looking for people to help her with her second year project. And I gave her some names because I was headed off to an acting program in Minnesota that summer. And I said, let's stay in touch. And over the summer, the script idea came up about the play that I had. And she said, that sounds like a really great story. Can I read it? I said, sure. I emailed it to her. She read it. She said, can I film this as my thesis film? Mm. And I said, well, yeah, under one condition. She said, what's that? I said, you teach me how to write a screenplay. And the rest mm. from there is history, Cliff. Things started falling into place. Wow. So I want to make sure I capture your question. Your question was, what was... The roadblocks. The roadblocks. So the roadblocks really were what I thought I had to have the roadblocks really were just not thinking there's a principle so the, the roadblocks and I'm, I'm really struggling here because I'm trying to think what I, they're really, the, 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 it was kind of the reverse like what I learned was that there are no roadblocks now I'm sure I had them and I'm just not present for them right now so I don't want to leave the audience thinking oh he just had it so great but the roadblocks probably were more mental around me thinking your purpose, your niche, your success has a specific 
expected outlook or, or an end date, like thinking that I could. So the roadblock for me, then there it is, was I'm going to have this at another time, not not realizing I can have this now. Mm. So looking at the Vondell of then and the Vondell now, now, because of that experience, I say, you know, we read it so often it goes over our heads, I think, is that the only thing that exists is now. Mm. But back then, I thought the only thing that existed was over there in the future. So my mm. roadblock was not believing that that which I was seeing could be a reality sooner than what it it, it, it sooner than what I, I expected. Wow. And wow. so, yeah. And, and so it's just a simple principle. Um, and it was just a, it, it taught me a great deal. I'm so grateful for that film. Mm. Um, the experience, I should say. The film mm. is a blessing, but the experience of the film taught me uh, to not limit myself and definitely don't limit God. Definitely don't limit God. All we got to do is come, you know, create. He says it was three principles. I said, God, what, what was the process? He said, son, I blessed you with this film so you can be an example to others to remind them all they got to do. I've charged them with writing the vision according to Habakkuk 2 to remind them that I Jeremiah 29 11 says I have plans for them. Mm. Uh, I know the plans that I have for them and, and tell people that they need to just get before me and download the plan. And then the third one is Nehemiah 2.14, the B clause. He says, now let us rise up and build. So as long as we as niche uh, uh, leaders write, plan and build that blueprint we follow, we'll get an outcome each time. Mm. What I love about it is that all all those verbs are all uh, present tense verbs. Like it's what you're doing right now, you know. Right and now. it reminds me of a quote that Zig Ziglar actually has. Uh, he says, uh, "You were born to be a winner, but to be a winner, you must plan to win and prepare to win." And that's exactly what I hear in what you're saying uh, right there. Uh, last question that I actually want to journey um, portion of of sure. this is what transform what transformation? You kind of touched on it. It sounds like you yeah. did, but I just want you to just uh, see if you can peel anything else off of this layer what transformation did you experience within this journey uh, just the film part uh, film part well, or just well, discovering your niche period oh man transformation was one piece of the transformation was I'm boxing myself in so being boxed into my own limit, limiting beliefs of thinking because uh, in life we, we have so many times this like so at the time I thought I have a script but I don't have any money I have a filmmaker but I don't have a team or I have I have this and I've always been guilty of this I'm always feeling like and I'm just coming to the maturity of seeing that it, it doesn't look like what I think it should have I just have this feeling that I don't have a team like that there's not a team we always feel like we need other people and we do but not in the way we think so my, my biggest discovery along the way is that anytime I need or anytime that I, I have been in need of a team the people the resources um, the assets that I need they they show up and for some reason my biggest flaw has been or in my thinking has been I can't do this or that until I have those resources but it's in the fulfilling of whatever journey and, and, and project that you're working with out of your niche that they, it has to show up I call it the Voltron effect Think about it. Voltron was what was it, five lines. I'm dating myself now. Oh, yeah, five it, lions. I'm right with you there, brother. <laughs> and separately, those lions seemed like they couldn't really defeat much and do much. 
But in the exact moment where they needed to come together to defeat a bigger issue or a bigger challenge, a bigger foe enemy, you mm. know, the, the alien or whatever was trying to kill the universe at the time, they would do that form Voltron, form arms, arms and legs, legs. Right, form <laughs> feet and body. <laughs> then the sword would just come out of nowhere <laughs> and then they would just take everything on. So yeah. for me, the biggest lesson has been knowing how to see that I, though I am an individual, God has designed it to where each joint truly does supply like that Voltron. Wow. That even though you you might be the red lion, somewhere out there is a green lion. You know, Avril Speaks was my green lion, the sister with the film, you know, and then I didn't even think about this aspect. You were part of the yellow line. You were part Mm. of the audience because without an audience, there's really no film. It's just me tinkering in in an editing booth, putting stuff together that I think is cool. And so the audience had to come together, which was the yellow lion. And then I had to have the blue lion, which was an investor showed up. You know, I didn't have the money. I didn't need money. But when I got to the point where I needed to print it on DVD, which is the version, you know, you were holding, an investor showed up at one of the lowest points of my of, of my journey at that point. I had lost my job and everything. And I was coming from a, a job fair at, uh, uh, not Faith Outreach, that's a church here in Tennessee, uh, Faith Fellowship across the street on, in Somerset right there. Um I came from a, an interview and my property manager, bro, who, had, who was right there, said, how much do you need? I said, I need about 3K. And he said, can I see the film? And I handed him a rough copy uh, in the in the white Amore case. And he watched it the next day. He said, man, it's a real movie. I said, yeah. He said, I thought I was going to see you jiggling with the camera. And <laughs> he said, how much do you need? I said about three grand. I had counted up the cost of three grand to print it and, and do a movie screening at Rutgers. He said, here's the money. And it turned out that this gentleman had been a investment banker who helped structure the deal for Bob Johnson. Wow. So folks, you know, just a little bit of motivation here. You have to be faithful to your niche because someone is waiting for you to show up with your portion. God showed me that. Last thing on this and then we can transition clip, but I feel like this is important. Ray Chu, I don't know if a lot of people knew this, but Ray Chu from the Apollo did music on our film. Mm. He was the house band behind Kanye West, Diddy, you know, on the, he's played behind every major artist. His wife is, it was an, is an A&R for, uh, for Sony. Mm. So you go into a studio and I saw, you know, congratulations, Vivian Chu for you know, hundred thousand units of hidden beaches. Remember the time or, or, or you know, uh, Jill Scott. And mm. remember the time for Michael Jackson. So it was that level of of, 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 of brilliance and genius mm. that worked on my first film. And I remember the day clearly I was sitting in his studio mm. and he was in front of me putting the music layers together. And I said, Ray, how did we get here? He looked at me, he said, you can't afford me. He said, you're here because I sent my assistant to the festival and said, find some people to get involved with. She brought you and four of the films back. I told her to pick one. She chose yours. I then watched it and said, you got something to say, brother. This is not Soul Plane and some other, you know, other movies. You have a voice. He validated that. And then as I sat and watched him, God said, the only reason you're here is because you dare to follow your niche and your purpose, because without your film, he can't exercise his gift. Mm. To that point, Ray had been ripping the soundtrack off of other movies. So, you know, in our movies, a lot of urban movies, there's just songs we put together to make the soundtrack. But in Jaws and Star Wars, there's the score. Right. So he was trying to break into that industry. And I'm like, God, you used my niche, my gift 
my film that you blessed me with to be a blessing to rate you? Mm. He said, before this film, I had been ripping the, the score off of The Matrix doing my own version because there was only three African-American film composers, Terrence mm. Blanchard being one of them, and then a couple other brothers, I think Bill Duke, uh, uh, Spike's dad, and, and one other person who I can't think of right now. But I said, man, this brother can't move forward in his niche until I showed up with my niche. Mm. So I just wanted to kind of layer that in because that, that's that's powerful. So I don't care how small you think your niche is if you're listening or how incomplete or whatever insignificant you think it is, it matters to someone. Mm. Man, you're about to make me giddy like an eight-year-old on, <laughs> on Christmas Day, brother. <laughs> you got me your over here, really. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I love it, man. I think that... Uh, you know what you're saying as you were you know um sharing what you're sharing i i just i just see so much value in what you are what you've been through yeah. and the encouragement that you're giving people what i love about this moment right now is there is somebody listening who is at the point that you were yeah before you got to where you are and and i think that it just speaks a word to somebody to know that you can make it because there's somebody who's already blazed the trail and Absolutely. even if it's just verbally you know i think Absolutely. it's powerful i do want to touch on what your niche is and for me the niche actually falls into five categories it's your passions what do you have strong interest in what do you do that feels purposeful your patterns which is what do you do naturally well Proficiency is what you've learned to do well over time. And then lastly, problem solvings. Now, what challenges do people come to you to solve in, in a unique way? So going up to the top, tell me, what are your passions? What were your passions at the start of your at the start of your journey towards your niche? Absolutely, man. So I'm passionate as I don't know if people can tell I'm passionate about talking. You know, I'm passionate <laughs> about, you know, talking and, and understanding and just people. So passion for talking and getting familiar and related and connected to people. So that's one of my passions. Another passion is creating. I love the creative process, just being in a creative mind space. Uh, I love coming up with whimsical stories and ideas. So that's another passion. Ideating is a passion of mine. Uh, reading is a passion of mine. Uh, being very analytical. I know this stuff probably don't sound like a passion, but I love ripping things apart, finding out why they do what they do, what makes something happen. And at the time, I thought it was I was going to be like a psychologist, but that's the number one skill that has blessed me in, in acting because I have to get to the root of the story mm. and why these characters do what they do, what motivates them. Uh, so I was, I was very passionate about human psychology and behavior. Um, that's another passion of mine. Mm. Um I'm passionate about motivating people. I'm very passionate about, you know, inspired, being an inspiration and, and motivating people. Um, I'm passionate about um, stand-up comedy. That's another passion of mine, you know, and I, and I, I thought I was going to, I thought that was a passion that died, but, you know, God, just like that, brought it to pass. And at 40-something, I took my first stand-up class because that's the wow. first career I'd ever told my mom I wanted to be. It was, a, it was a stand-up comic and she said you got to go to clown school <laughs> uh, so I'm passionate about writing I'm passionate about uh, directing uh, producing uh, and then Cliff to be honest man it's something I discovered later that I didn't realize I was passionate about but they told me when I was a Boy Scout is leadership I'm very passionate about leadership topics anything to do with helping people become better or to, to out their full potential uh, that's just a passion button of mine that I just love you know leadership topics and leadership development self-development um so those are some of the basic passions of mine arts and, and, and theater is a passion 
um, culture, um, that sort of thing. Movies, I love movies, mm. you know, with a passion. Um, and kids, that's a, that's another big passion of mine. So mm. I'll kind of you know park it there because I can go on with some more passions. But those are some of my most immediate passions. You, you know, you you shared something a little bit earlier, and to me, all this coalesces into like one thing, right? In, in my opinion, right? Yeah. So Tyler Perry. He was talking about having your one thing, right? right? And 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 but what's interesting with Tyler Perry? If you look at what he does now, he does a he does several things, right? Absolutely, you know, movie producer. He has his own studio, and he's also doing. He also does real estate, but for uh, like foreclosures on mansions. Like this guy's right. like next right. level real estate investor, right? <laughs> what he said was, is that you want to start. And work your way through that one thing. Um, that's that's part of the the thing that uh, that really made me passionate. Just dovetailing off what you're saying with uh, what I call the life cycle of excavation. And, mm. and I believe that once you discover, develop, and deliver that niche, you then ask yourself when you have that one thing, and you mm-hmm. run that entire uh, you know go the entire process all the way through. At step seven is when you ask yourself the one question: Yeah, do I ha- do I have more to give? Mm. You start out Step one is What do I have in abundance And then you get to step seven is Do I have more to give And if yes wow. You know in this life cycle of excavation You would have already come up with a list You go to the very next thing That is second on your list That you now make number one And you go through the cycle again So wow. if you look at somebody like Steve Harvey That I reference in the book He started out with having a sense of humor Brought it to uh, you know Talent Showcase, Apollo yeah. Then from there as he's TV, exhausted that, television TV, movies. television, author Game All of those shows, things Game show host, Exactly, syndicated radio Books. host All of those things But yeah. he in, in my estimation And again I talk about this in the book Is that he's gone through several iterations Of the life cycle wow. of excavation Because yeah. what happens is When you leave step 7 It then starts to return back to you Right yeah. So you start to get this residual income And things like that So I appreciate you sharing that What do you do that feels purposeful or meaningful? Yeah So the thing that I do That's purposeful and meaningful Is is the serving Is, is, is being that leadership example for people So um, I, I taught a course It's so funny I taught a course called Building Community And um, helping student college student, student college leaders have their aha moment about what they were put on earth to do, their purpose, I found that that was what I, that's how I could give back. So helping people dig dig down to say, okay, what was I put on this earth to do? So my purpose is helping people, I feel like, understand and clarify their purpose. Mm. And then to grow that and, and, to, and to, 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 to fertilize that. Um, so that's really, really at the end of the day, I, because people always say, man, you sound like you're doing all this. I said, no, no, I do. I do three things. I educate, entertain and encourage. That's what I was put on this earth to do. Mm. That's it. Educate, entertain and encourage. Educate, educatory to carve out, mm. entertain. Um, you know, people have different definitions of that. Um, and then encourage that. That's really what the, the, the that's, that's really what it is. Mm. And, and okay. everything that I've done can fit into those three buckets. <laughs> All right, man. This is uh, this is rich, brother. This is rich. I almost feel like I need to put my my uh, credit card into this moment. Right now, uh, uh, this thing, I should be paying for this. What you're sharing with wow, me? Wow, uh, patterns, patterns. What do you do naturally well? Oh man, naturally well. 
um, teach. Um, I've been hearing, and this one's tricky, Cliff, because a lot of times people were reflected back. Um, like a couple of days ago, somebody said to me, if you don't teach a screenwriting class, you should. And she kept talking and she said, because I heard a, a repo, a rebroadcast of something I did last year. I don't even, I kind of remember the day I did it, but I hadn't heard the replay. I don't have a copy. And so she sent me a copy and she said, your way of teaching was so simple. She said, and easy to follow. And so I've heard that sentiment. And every time the enemy tries to tell me I talk too much and use people to tell me, oh, you talk too much, da 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 people are coming to say, no, that's the very thing that gives them life. And and so I have to be careful. That That's one of the things that I, I shy away from or trip me up in is, is being overly conscious about that kind of stuff. But to answer the current question about um, um, what, what do I do that's purposeful? Pat- or patterns. Uh, what patterns? patterns? I'm sorry. Pattern. What do you what do, patterns do I have? Well. Yeah, naturally, what I do well is is um, sort of bottom line things, put things in a category, um, point someone to the simplest way that they can get started doing something. You know, a lot of times, myself included, we have a way of overcomplicating things. But I believe the patterns that I've noticed that I do particularly well is zeroing in on the and it's a kinesthetic thing. You know, a lot of times we spend a lot of mental, mm. we burn a lot of mental, a lot of mental petrol in our minds and in our mm. hearts. But there's something God put in me that a pattern I notice is that I'm always able because I'm a kinesthetic to zero in and help someone else find their kinesthetic and tap into it and get them going. Mm. So it's like a set of jumper cables. There's a lot going on in the car, but when you take those positive and negative cables, you put them on the battery, boom. Mm. So I believe that, you know, spirit is the battery and whatever the person has going on inside of them negative, whatever positive, negative that I've been through, when you put those polarities together, it, it helps them jumpstart whatever they're doing. So that's a pattern that I noticed that I've always have had this capacity to say, you want to do a podcast? And I just met a guy who said he was a podcast producer. Mm. You know, y'all should talk. Mm. So that, that's a pattern. Um, another pattern is 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 um, the like directing, which, which is part of that whole thing. It's like a producer type of mentality or pattern. Um, leadership is another pattern that I that I have, and and when I say that, it's like it all comes back. That like I said, it feels like I'm doing different things, but when I look at it, teaching is mm. really the core of it. God showed me. He said, "I made you a teacher, Vondell. Some mm. in one season, that teaching was an actor. You used the stage to teach humanity to people. Uh, in another season, I was an arts educator, so I literally took lessons and taught people. In another mm. season, um, I was uh, in higher ed, and so, so every time I look at, it, I said, "Man, God, there's a pattern here of teaching. It really is teaching. It's it's another form. Coaching is a form mm. of teaching. City yeah. councilman." My whole approach to that is to educate people about what a local government is and what it isn't and how we can help you get what you want. So the pattern for me is just really education. That teaching has been a part of the pattern that makes me unique uh, and gives and gives shape and purpose to what I'm doing. And so I just started to lean into that as a niche to say, okay, how do I leverage uh, the pattern of educating others and educating myself, educating myself to then go educate others? Mm. That's, that's the, the main pattern, yeah. What proficiencies do you feel you have? What have you learned to do well over time? Yeah, so what I've learned to do well is sales. Um, mm-hmm. You know, being able to uh, remove 
challenges out of the way so people can 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 settle on what it is they want and you know we, we don't like it uh, a lot of people say it's being pushy but it's really sales so I've, I've grown proficient in converting my ability to my natural ability to talk into a sales process um, not all the time to earn income but mm-hmm. also helping influence people around the things that are important to them because that's really what a good salesman does yeah you go in to buy a Mercedes you wanted something you needed a vehicle at basis but then you wanted a luxury item so they help fuse those two desires your desire for something luxurious that you could afford and your desire to get around basic vehicle boom you walk out so sales um, is is a proficiency that I've, I've developed and learned over time marketing is another proficiency uh, which goes right in hand with sales and marketing um, entrepreneurship is a proficiency that I had to learn I stumbled into entrepreneurship with a with an upper bound playwriting curriculum and I understood that okay the creativity that I that I believe God has given me an abundance of I remember this lesson very well a business plan is the ability to take raw creativity and innovation and channel in such a way that can others can articulate others can see the value in it and you can articulate it to them and they put investment behind it so I had mm-hmm. to learn how to do that to say, okay, you can have wild ideas all you want to, Vondell, but if they, you can't translate them into something meaningful, then they won't move anywhere. They won't grow. So I had to learn that as a proficiency and a skill set. Um, uh, communication is a huge proficiency that I continue uh, uh, to build, a skill that I think that we all need. Um, in, uh, psychological influence, you know, those sort of things. Um, product development is another one that I think I begin to learn, you know, how to take and create info products. Uh, that's another proficiency that I feel like I, I've developed and had. Um, I can't forget my acting and writing ability. Uh, of course, you know, I went to school for 10 years and learned how to act and perform. Um, and then stand up comedy lately has been a proficiency that I'm learning. So just saying, okay, how can I refine and become a better communicator? Okay. How do I use the challenges that I've, that I've gone through to, to, position them in a way that 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 have value for people and help them get over and see the other side of it so all of those are just some some basic skills that i believe i've been able to hone and learn and, and, and become proficient in wow what problems do you solve what do people come to you to uh to to help them in a unique way to solve vondell i'm stuck and i don't know what to do <laughs> <laughs> Help! <laughs> Help! I've fallen and I can't get up. Rondell, <laughs> I'm thinking about. So here, here it is, and I like your pet framework, and I was it, it reminding me of my framework. So really, when people come to me, because I ask myself that question, what, what are they coming to me to ask me to help them do? Mm. And I said they really come to me to help them unpack vision. So vision, I mm. believe, boils down to five key areas: a person's passions, dreams, desires, ideas, and interests. Somebody comes to me and they say, Vondell, I have an interest in acting. I don't want to become a professional, but I have an interest in it. What can I do? And I help them say, you can do this, this, that, or that. A young, uh, one of my leadership Clarksville classmates came to me. We were at, I never knew this. She is a the CFO of a school, of, of our school system, Clarksville Montgomery County School System. And we did an arts day uh, as part of our leadership class. And she said, we did a voiceover class. She said, I've always wanted to know how to do voiceovers me and my daughter talked about it and she said i never knew where to start and i said okay i'll see i'll email you some stuff to help you and your daughter get started so she has an interest she's not going to become you know angelina bass angela bassett by any stretch of the imagination but she has an interest in it in addition to what she's doing to be self-expressed in voiceover work so if somebody says to me i have an interest in that i help them get 
to the root of that and say, here's what you can do. You don't have to leave what you're doing. Or if they say, I have a passion and I do want to become that. You know, I, I feel like I have a passion to be able to help them uh, solve that problem. And so that's where the success and growth coach came. Um, and I realized it ain't a lot of people walking around saying, you know what? I need a vision coach. But there are people walking around saying, man, my, 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 my coworkers are getting on my absolute last nerve. My boss right. is, is super, super, whatever he, you call him. I wish I could fire him, but maybe not. It's not time. So I said, I, I, th- I think I'm really good. Or I know I'm really good at helping people think beyond their job, their day job, figuring out what dreams have they put on the shelf to let just rot. No, let's blow the dust off, get back mm-hmm. in the ring, put that thing together in a meaningful way. I'm not the the person that's going to tell you to quit your job and turn that into a business. That's somebody else to do that. I'm saying keep your day job, do what you love, but also don't neglect this thing that gives you life over here. Mm. Hey man, but I'm gonna I'm pick you up, put you in my pocket, brother. I'm gonna just make sure every time I feel down, I'm gonna pull, pull you out and hit the Vondell by Vondell. Give me some motivation, brother. <laughs> That's it, brother. Because I'm over here, I tell you, man, I'm on fire, man. It's, I'm feel like you know, just jumping out of this window, running around. The <laughs> hey, so you know, and so so very last thing that I want to touch on. You sure. only got like two more questions for you, but this is gonna be the segment. Um, you talking to your younger self and giving them secrets giving that younger self secrets to get them from where they are at that point to where you are today tell me what one secret would you tell your pre-niche self to help accelerate their progress to where you are today i would say find to my younger self find your find a model whatever it is you see that you want to do so for example real estate find a model as soon as you can and 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 trace the model. You know, as kids, we used to trace mm. pictures. When we were mm-hmm. draw, we used to trace. That is the number one piece of advice I would give myself is find a template, I call it. Find me a template that I can get around and and glean from. And and to and to not be afraid of asking, hey, how did you do that? That would be the number mm. one piece of advice. Whatever it is you want to do. Mm. So real estate was one. Um, like I said, having my right, you know, Averill, I found, I found, I wish I would have told myself sooner, find more Averills, someone who's in film school where you wanted to go, Vondell, but didn't get a chance because you were in acting school. And I just modeled her. I said, yeah, number one rule to, to let me let you do this thing is if you teach me how to write a screenplay. So mm-hmm. finding that, 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 that Mr. Miyagi, there it is. Finding mm-hmm. your Mr. Miyagi, your Mrs. Miyagi to help you t- be the template for being the champion. Danielson wanted to be a champ. He wanted to get, mm-hmm. you know, the Cobra Kai and all that off his back. Mm-hmm. Mr. Miyagi said, hey, follow this model. You'll win the championship every time. Mm-hmm. How do you know when it's time to change course versus staying focused on your goal? Oof. Change course versus staying focused. How do you know when it's time? I, I, this, this one's stumping me, Cliff. I don't know <laughs> I, no, I can don't. I tell you, this is like my favorite question because everybody who I have on, from serial entrepreneur to psychologist yeah. to coaches, everybody always has to stop and they got to <laughs> think about it. <laughs> well, I, think if I say thing- this, I'm not going to sound like I'm motivated. And if I don't say this, I'm going to sound like I'm defeated. You know, and so. Well, uh, what I was going to say, the reason <laughs> I said is because, um, you, so the question is how to know when to shift or change. Yes. Yes. I think that's a personal decision that only you can tell. So, for example, that's a that that's an Achilles heel of mine. Yeah. I looked and said, 
I sometimes don't know when to say stop. Like, mm. like I, I discovered it when I wrote the film. Somebody said, well, how come this guy, the movies, the relationship, you know, he keeps pursuing this woman. And I discovered that a flaw of his was he does, he loves with no limitations. And I said, that's a flaw of yours, V. You know, you'll keep going down and we all may have some part of this of not knowing when to let let the, let, let the X become the full X. You know, you want to keep making it work. And I, I realized that's a trait that I have in my leadership is that I don't know when to say, I quit this and I'm moving on. I'll pivot and start down another path. But that other thing always comes back to intersect with where I currently am, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's why I said I might not be the best person because even when I thought I've quit and put something on the shelf, that thing comes around on a third rung or, you know, at a, another stage of life and re-intersects like acting. I thought I quit acting. I was like, man, it ain't making no money. Filmmaking, I put that on the shelf. Yeah, I kind of had dreams about the future. And I just kind of was like, hey, man, later for that, you know, maybe that was just a college thing. And lo and behold, now that thing is coming back into my path. God is like, it's true to what I thought. There's a back door. I'm meeting people recently, a sister from Jersey. I'm in a Christian dating group. She's like, you know, we had one of the moments like Spike and, and, and uh, Malcolm, you know, Malcolm, uh, who was it, Malcolm X? Shorty, is that you? She was in a group like, Vondale, is that you from Jersey? Oh, yes, yeah. With the film, I said, yeah. She's like, you know, man, I knew you. You did the movie. So anyway, it turns out this sister, I've known her all this time. Her niece is now a casting director for Tyler Perry. Wow. And so I'm something I thought like, yeah, whatever. It was a you know, childish dream. It's coming back. I just met a, another young lady who, you know, has a connection with T.D. Jakes and, and, and blowing the dust off the film to say, hey. So, yeah, so I would, I would say rest if you must, but never quit. Mm. To take from to take from that quote, you know, I love uh, Zig Ziglar has a, a friend, or uh, the late Zig Ziglar had a friend named Fred Smith, and he had a quote that said, "the The food you grow in the valley is what you will eat on a mountaintop." And so, quite often, what we go through in our life, we may not see that we're actually either planting, watering, or tending to mm. a seed. That's good. That is actually going to nurture us when we get to the top of where we are, and, 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 and where we least expecting. And so while we up there, you know, get a little hunger pains, and we need to be nourished, <laughs> and we we could go back to what we thought we forgot about. We pull it out the satchel, it's like hey, get nourished. This joke been fermenting. It's been fermenting. <laughs> It's been firmer. You don't want to ferment too much because then you get a little bit, you know. <laughs> you get a little tipsy. You know what I'm saying? But, or, or to that point, Cliff, it might be the thing that feeds another. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. A lot yeah, of times, true. farmers don't grow food for themselves; they grow food for mm-hmm. everyone else. A true farmer. I want to ask you one last thing. What action yeah. item would you give to the audience, the niche finder, next finder community? What action item would you give to them as a must have? Action item that they must have. Um, really sitting down to create a mission statement, a vision and a mission statement, because that is the one thing that though it sounds like I'm all over the place, I can any decision that I come to as in pursuing a, a portion of my niche it, it hinges upon this this spinal, this spine. I call it your vision and mission will become your spine. I believe that was the greatest exercise one of my mentors could have given me when I graduated grad school. I couldn't find a job. And he said, well, Vondell, what's your mission statement? 
I said, what do you mean? He said, sit down and figure out your mission statement because that's going to be key. And man, that thing has served me, Cliff. And I'm so grateful that through him, that God, through him, gave me that exercise. And so that has been the one of the biggest exercises to serve me to date. And anytime I come to an empath or a crossroads, I look back and say, is what I'm about to take on providing life-changing information through education, entertainment, and personal encouragement. And, and, and when I came to city council to think, what am I doing here as a politician? This makes no sense. I looked at that mission statement and I said, well, no, that's providing life-changing information at the level of community. And I'm educating people and encouraging them. Mm. The coaching came out as a form of encouragement. Mm. Ministry is a form of encouragement, serving. So that really has been the beast. So I would encourage them to, to get somewhere, no matter where you are, no matter how young or old you are, and if you haven't, to create a vision and a mission statement. And then right after they do that, Cliff, call you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you tell them to call me, I'm going to redirect them right to your, your address, which, right. by the way, I want to be able to give people an opportunity to get in contact with you if they so if they want to. And I'm sure if I was listening to this episode, I'd be like, man, how do I look? How do I get in contact with this brother? <laughs> so what links and handles are you using? Absolutely. So if you're on Instagram, follow my Instagram, it's my grammars. Uh, it's just at Vondell R. So at V-O-N-D-E-L-L-R. Um, if you just still got the old school internet, you can go to campsite.bio forward slash my first name, Vondell R again, and that'll bring some some links to you, some different ways. I got the whole text in and get a, get in touch with me. Uh, if, you, if you're one of those texters and you want to hit me up directly, uh, 931-322-4902, and that number, it, it lives on the uh, Instagram page as well. And if you own a good old book, the Facebook, mm-hmm. it's just Vondell Richmond. You can hit me up. Um, and, and you can connect to some of the other things I'm into as well. So that's, uh, and then LinkedIn, I forget about old good old LinkedIn for my <laughs> professional crowd, <laughs> my consultants and my coaches. And, and that's how Cliff and I connected. Yes, so it, I, was, it. I just have to remind myself to go back to LinkedIn. It's just Vondell Richmond. So I'm Vondell Richmond, uh, on everything. Vondell R is pretty much how you can hit me up. Well, I love it. It was, a, it was, uh, man, this was a treat, man. It felt like I had, you know, dessert and, you know, right before, you know, it's, it's like, this is dessert right here, boy. <laughs> uh, <I'm, laughs> um, you know, I'm going to go take a nap right after we finish. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> got the itis. <laughs> That's it. I got the itis now, man. But yeah, man. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you know, um, dreamoctane.org is our website. And so, uh, as you know, if those who are listening, uh, our motto has always been, if innovative change is an engine, your unique dream and ability could be its fuel. We want to thank Vondell for being a part of this program and helping with us uh, to help encourage, to educate. And what's the third one that you got there, brother? Enter- uh, educate, entertain, encourage. Yeah, entertain, educate, and the E3. E three, yeah. And so, if you if you want any piece of E three, you can hit Vondell up on all those different uh, media sources, social media sites that he is on. Uh, it's a pleasure having him on today, and 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 as always, we look forward to having the very next guest, the very next expert on our show to help 
them tell you about how they got to where they are as a means of helping you on your journey towards success. Thank you for tuning in. Oh, by the way, just one quick note. We're so happy to announce that we're not only are we on Podbeam and Spotify, but we literally just launched onto Google. So we, you know, slowly but surely we kind of get into where we need to be. So thank you so much for your support. Follow us, like us, and give us comments, and it helps it with the algorithm. Thank you again. And thank you, Vondale. Thank you, Cliff. Good night, everybody. <laughs>